Hello, welcome back to Glasgow Subway Journeys from SBT. My name's Fat, and in this episode, I'm going to be looking at the modernisation of the subway. I went down to the maintenance depot at Broomlone to meet Gordon Mackay, who is a systems technician. First of all, could you describe where we are? Because this is a very, very unique kind of place. I've never been anywhere like this before. So we're in the, the maintenance sheds for the Glasgow Underground. This is where we bring the trains in for repair and refit and general maintenance. And it is particularly warm in here. Explain to me why. <laughs> it's the nice new gas heating system that we've installed. Keeps our trains nice and toasty. Well, do you know what? It is, it is an incredible sight because you've got a, a couple of, a couple of uh, carriages uh, in the room. Uh, you've got all the really cool retro seating that everyone is familiar with uh, from the Glasgow subway. You've got kind of train tracks on the ground. You've got all sorts of random stuff. Uh, talk to me about what you would do here uh, on, on, a, on a kind of day-to-day basis. Well, on a, on a day-to-day basis, uh, I'm not actually uh, based here. I'm based up at uh, Ibrook, so there's the, this, this is the operational area. Up there we have the non-operational area, and that's where we are sorting out the new fleet and doing all the testing and commissioning to get the new fleet ready to come down. So is there a building of this size just down the road then? It's not quite this size and it's a temporary structure. Right. We're calling it the bake-off tent because it's one of those inflatable roof things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got 10 trains, the new trains getting tested and commissioned at the moment. Um, hoping to see them later this year. And uh, since it's called the bake-off tent, any cakes or scones around as well? Only on a Friday. Only on a Friday. Well, first of all, I want to basically talk about the modernisation plans and te- you know, tell me what we need to know. Well, there's a, there's a huge amount going on. Uh, Hitachi are uh, responsible for the new signalling system, so it's going to be CBTC, so it's communication-based train control. Um, they're installing all the, the, the cables and all the clever stuff for that. Um, we have a test track that they've put up in up in the NOA. We can test the trains running on automatic between two virtual stations. So we're using uh, that kind of stuff, and obviously we are tying the trains in with that new system and getting our, our software to talk to their software and getting everything ready for the new world. So if you've not got a full loop, how are you able to test the, the system? How does it work? So we've got an actual platform that's been built up there with the platform screen doors as like a mock-up. All right, make okay. sure we can get everything stopping in the right position, things like that. And then as we come down towards SPT's land, we've got a, a virtual platform where the train will stop, open its doors, do its, its delay time, all that kind of thing close the doors and it'll come back up all in the programming. Is, is it good fun? It is good fun. But? Is, is there a big wobbly but there? Well, sometimes when you're doing the brake testing it can be a wee bit, wee bit hairy. We had to do some brake testing with 24 tonnes of sand on. That's like crush laden. So that's like six people per square metre. That's football day at Ibrox. And we had to do the, the brake testing at overspeed. That was a, a, a hairy moment. Go on, describe it. <laughs> Well, we have about a kilometre of track. We have to accelerate to 73 kph, which is well over the, the, the normal limit. And then we have to coast and then full brakes. I think we had about 10 metres left. Yeah, that was one time only. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm really keen to know? I mean, this is, you know, a kind of once in a generation uh, modernisation plan. So how, how, you know, how do you all know what, what it is you need to be testing for? Where do you get trained? How does this all work? Presuming you've not done this all before somewhere. No, so I've been here for 28 years. So when I first came in, when I was an apprentice, I seen the tail end of the, the signalling upgrade when it was done last time. Um, 
lot of stuff coming away from like the old tra- hydraulic train stops and things like that, big mechanical things that trains would actually hit. Now it's just like magnetic fields and you know clever electronic stuff that we've got. Um, yeah, we we have piles and piles of paperwork to go through for. We we test the ventilation systems, we test the fire systems, we test the power converters, the brakes, every function of the train gets tested. And uh, we've got night shift testing that's just about to start up again for this year, where we'll be taking it down to finish off Hitachi's testing for their signal and stuff. And then we're going to be doing the fault-free running for the trains. And how many of you are there doing this job? So in the the NOA, we have... uh, four or five guys we've just got a, a planning guy in there we've got three uh, systems technicians so we're hoping to get another couple of guys because it's getting to the busy stage we're getting 10 trains up there and it's starting to get a wee bit like a car park just now um, so hopefully we'll have five guys doing that ultimately trying to ramp up to get to the, the testing where we're doing the fault free running we can come in and like maybe three shifts just keep them going because we've got to get to about 2,000 miles from the testing fault-free before we can accept them into the, the service. Well, it is incredible to think that there's, you know, four, five, eventually six, seven, eight of you that know everything about everything about the subway. But there's not, that's not that many people, really, when you think about it, is it? It's not. It's, it's never been a You've huge... You've got this secret knowledge that nobody else has. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to know about the new fleet. I mean... Uh, we, we did have two secondees up there and there's only one of us left now so there's one secondee for SPT who's been working in these new trains so it's, it's kind of cool to be at the, at the front of it and, and get that sort of knowledge and, and, and have a, a poke about and tr- try things and just try and find out the points of failure because ultimately they're going to come back and we'll have to look after them so we're going to have to find out all the little silly things that go wrong and we can try and keep on top of that so what what should we be expecting from the, the new fleet? Everyone's very, very excited about it, but very few details have been released, so go and tell us something. Well, one of the, 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 the big differences we've got is the, the suspension systems on the, the new trains. They, they should be a, a much smoother, quieter ride. We've got uh, rubber springs and we've got airbags that the, the, the train sort of inflates and sits up on. That'll give you a nice, smoother ride. And what we don't have anymore is the three separate cars. We have what is just a full unit. These things don't get changed about. This is one unit. And because it's one unit, it's open right through. So people will be able to see the articulation of the train a lot more as well. So that's going to be like a very different feature. And then ultimately, driverless, you'll be able to sit right at the front of the train and see it going through the system, which I think is pretty cool. And, and how, how does the, the whole driverless thing kind of benefit us all? So the, the, the driverless system that's been used in a lot of places now um, means all the trains are going to talk to each other. So what we've got at the moment is we have track circuits where the, the trains have got a big area that they can't go into because it's waiting for the next train to clear. What we're, what we're going to have now is like a, a bubble around the trains, like a safe bubble, and they'll all know where each other are so that they can actually use that information to get more trains through the system quicker. So we can actually potentially put more trains in at peak as well. So like at the minute we've maybe put in five on a peak. We could put in eight aside on a, on a peak. So driverless is going to allow us to run that system that we can maybe get people just moving a wee bit more on like Christmas days, football, that kind of thing. That's absolutely fantastic. You know, you know, and it genuinely will make Glasgow kind of just move along much faster on, on, on kind of crazy busy times. Yeah, that, that's the whole point of it. Is we, is we can put all of those trains down, let them run, 
And um, because we have uh, a lot of new systems on the trains, there's, there's going to be sort of less intrusive maintenance that's required for them. It's because, you know, we've got new, new AC motors instead of DC, it's, it's easy to look after. The braking system's different, so we're going to have less wear on the pads and things like that. So there's going to be less time that we maybe have to do so much maintenance, we can actually feed more trains into the system when we need them. But I'll now have less of an excuse for when I'm running late, which is a bit of an issue for me personally. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> so you've worked here for a number of years. Did you say 27 years? Uh, 28 years. I started on the 9th of January 1995. Well, uh, an incredible achievement. And, you know, have you always been someone who's been kind of enthusiastic about trains? Have you always had an interest or did you kind of stumble across this job? Well, I, I, I've never been like a big train buff. I'm not, I, I don't know all the, the, the numbers and stuff like that, but I, I've, I've always used underground and it's kind of cool to be part of Glasgow's history. I was here for the centenary. I was here 125 years. It's, it's like a really cool thing to be because when people use the underground, they're, they're, it's it's known throughout the world. It's the third oldest underground in the world, and people are using it. And it's it's known. People come to see it when they come to Glasgow. There's people who actually come to see this. It's cool. Well, it is, it's really cool, and you get to see it at a completely different part of the day that we never get to witness so talk to us about what it looks like you know what, what the tunnel's like is there any kind of cool info you can tell us the tunnels are kind of boring after a while the first time, <laughs> the first couple of times you go it's quite, well it's kind of cool when you go down maybe you're doing some maintenance and stuff you, you'll be walking through the tunnels you get to walk under the Clyde which is really quite cool you know just walking about under there um, and does it feel like you're walking under the Clyde when you're walking under the Clyde or would you never know Oh, you wouldn't know. Would you not? It's just we know where it is. Right. Yeah, we've got, we've got a sump down there. We call it the Clyde Manhole because it's the lowest point. It's right down there underneath. And you kind of go, oh, this is cool. But yeah, it's after so many years, it's not quite as special. Well, the novelty always wears off. I wasn't sure if you'd be able to hear some sort of noise, but you did say the trains were going to be quieter now. So does that mean that kind of big wailing, roaring noise that you hear when you go past Cowcaddens? We're not going to hear that anymore. You'll still hear a train moving, obviously, but when the, the ride experience will be better because the, the new trains, they're, they're uh, double aluminium skinned, they've got better uh, noise dampening, obviously the, the ride's smoother, so they're designed to be a lot smoother, quieter, and a better experience for everybody. So the last time the modernisation happened was late 70s, so it's been a, a fair wee while since then. Are, are we expecting these trains to last a similar amount of time? There's, there's no reason they shouldn't, but that's probably a commercial thing rather than anybody else's d- decision. I think if we, c- if we can look after them properly, yeah, they're great trains. Fantastic. Well, everyone's very, very excited to, to kind of take a shot and have a ride. Uh, what do you think is going to be the kind of standout feature that everyone's going to be talking about? Is it going to be the fact that they're going to be running more regularly or just that they're cooler? Or what is it going to be background music like Little Mix, etc.? I hope not. Little Mix, Jesus, jump and join me. Certainly the ride quality is going to be a lot better and ultimately when we go driverless, I think when we first see them they'll still be driven in manual or there will at least be the cab there. Um, When the trains are fully automatic, I think people are going to find a different experience when they can actually sit at the front of the train and there's nothing there, no controls, it's just doing it itself. I think that's when people kind of go, oh, right, they're here. Well, it's like that thing you used to do when you were a kid when you go to the top floor of a bus, the second floor and uh, you pretend you were kind of driving it yourself. So I imagine kid, the next generation of kids are going to be pretending they're driving the, the, the underground. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. It's, it's there for the next generation, but we've been here for 120-odd years, and it's time to keep it going because we, we still need to move people. Well, we're walking through a room, 
a huge, huge kind of depot kind of style place that looks like it should be freezing, but it's not. And there's lots of engineers around. You've got the carriages, you've got the trains. You've also, I'm looking at the, 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 the wee place that we were in just beforehand, that had loads of equipment. Yep. So is there constantly stuff that needs to get fixed or is it kind of just on the odd occasion? There's always something that needs done. You're all either maintaining or repairing. Uh, even on the night shifts when a lot of the work happens because you know we can have trains that are out the system we've got more option to get trains in and out um, the guys will be down doing any track work that's required and a lot of the signalling maintenance happens on the night shift because that's when you have to go down and actually you know do things in the track take some voltages all that kind of thing and you can't do that during the day so we're looking at a carriage right now this is one of the older ones isn't it yeah but uh, what 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 is this because it's like an underground platform underneath that we can see as well yeah, so this is the maintenance bit. So we've got the raised platform up to the, the door height, which is where your normal platform height would be to the track. So it's basically like we're standing in the well of a station. And then we have the pit for accessing underneath to, to sort other bits underneath. And we can take components off, bring them to the end. We can lift them with the, the cranes here and uh, rep- repair the old fleet. And do you get people who are kind of, well, you mentioned tourists earlier, but do you get people who are really kind of into the Glasgow subway that then go well come to govern just so they can see the trains overground and take pictures and all that kind of stuff oh yeah we've had people standing at fences we get people that organize uh, visits uh, sometimes through andrea and people can actually come in and see them it's it's a lot of red tape obviously you've got to be careful who's coming into an underground depot but yeah people come have a look Pe- people love it they come from all over I've been on the train during the day, seeing people take measurements, photos. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, obviously, like build their own, you know, models and stuff. It's it's a huge thing for some people. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, honestly, I've lived in Glasgow pretty much all my life and didn't even know this this place existed. So, I'm assuming that a lot of people are the same. Yeah, I mean, I, people don't see the background stuff. I mean, even in the stations, you've got loads of like the, you know, the fire escapes. You've got a cable runs. You've got the escalator machine rooms, all these places that are all just hidden away, all the stuff in the background that people are always looking after. But people just turn up, get a train, get off, that's them, quite happy. There's a lot of background stuff to keep an underground running. Do we know what, what, what the rest of the day is going to look like for you? Well, for the rest of the day, I've got a battery charger to repair on one of the trains up in the, the depot there, and then I'm going to start t- uh, static testing on one of the brand new ones that just came last week. What does static testing mean? So it's... It, basically the clues in the name it's everything with the train standing still everything that we can check while it's just sitting there with a, a, a shore lead into it to power it up and we just test all the systems make sure we're getting all the right results and then we can go to dynamic testing which is where we start driving it up and down doing brake tests checking distances all that fun stuff and how is that working now actually because they're driverless trains are you, do you do that from a wee control room or do you do that from in the train or how does it work so no, at the moment when we do the testing, we've always got somebody on the train. Even when Hitachi are doing their remote stuff from that little control room that we've got up there, uh, we always have somebody there just in case, you know, emergency button or that kind of thing. Um, but a lot of uh, our testing we will do in, in, in a manual mode. So we will physically drive the train right. in the temporary cab at the moment, which will change in the future, which will be really exciting. I am told that you have got all sorts of memorabilia. Yeah, well... It's, it sounds like I'm a real train buff that way, but um, I've got... Wait, wait, are you, are you, are you worried that people are going to think you're a big nerd or something like that? I think people think I'm a big nerd <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've, I've got... Uh, when the centenary was here, I was uh, lucky enough to be in the centenary booklet as an apprentice. 
I hate looking at that photo because I look so young. Um, I've got some of the, the badges from 115, 120, 125 years. Um, I've got a Greater Glasgow uh, Passenger Transport Executive mug. Um, and how have you acquired all these things? It's just the uh, things that, that come out. Uh, the, the 115 year badge that came from uh, an, an old friend of mine who was a controller who passed away last year. It came from part of his estate, so it's a nice keepsake, you know, people that you've worked with. Um, and yeah, we, we, when the centenary came, they'd done lots of models of the, the old travel centre at St. Edward Square, which is now a coffee house or something. Um, so they'd done that in like a nice case, so I've got that sitting up in the. Do you know what? Because the, the reason I was asking if you're worried about being a train nerd is because I'm a bit of a train nerd. And I love the idea of having wee bits. In, but see, we, we walked into the room earlier and you've got the old seats. I think they're so cool and very retro. I'm actually a wee bit gutted that we're not keeping those. Well, maybe you could get a hold of some and put them in the bay window. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about I was going to say, if I took one, what would they even do with it? But it's, uh, I think loads of people love that kind of old 70s look. All the wee old 70s tiles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that people loved about the, the old trains and, and maybe the old stations as well, with that Aye. sort of historical brown brick look, Aye. you know, that's... Um, but yeah, we've got to make it all white and sleek now. And are they going to? The train's going to still be orange. Uh, no, so at the moment the, the trains are mostly white with like a grey accent, and the doors are orange at the door portals. Right. Okay. And I, I think that was a dis, dis, design decision that, they, that actually the doors are more visible. If you made everything white, people would maybe struggle. People yeah, with yeah, visual yeah. impairment because there's a lot of new features in the trains that we've got. Uh, we've got the, the flashing lights on the doors now, as well as the buzzer. We've got uh, PRM zones, which is persons of restricted mobility, so that's where you can put your wheelchairs. Right. We've got help points in the train, so that they're a lot more user-friendly and there's a lot more interaction there that you, you can get help if required rather than having to wait to get to a station. Amazing. Well, I would love to see the shrine in your room to all things Glasgow Subway <laughs> at some point, but uh, thank you very much for chatting to me. Thank you. Cheers, pal. Absolutely incredible to see behind the scenes at Broom Loan. I think Gordon's got one of the most amazing jobs, testing and using the new technology before it's used for real. My thanks to Gordon and the team down there for a great afternoon. Next, on Glasgow Subway Journeys, as we look ahead to the future, I'm chatting with Anthony Smith, the director of Subway at SBT, on their ambitious sustainability plans. For more info, check out spt.co.uk and search Glasgow Subway on the socials. I'll see you next time.